Good evening once again. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me in Hosea. Hosea chapter 11. We'll be reading from verse 1 down to verse 11. So I'll give you the time there to open up, open up your Bibles. So Hosea chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. And the Word of God says, When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. As they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed unto Balaam and burned incense to graven images. I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms, but they knew not that I healed them. I drew them with cords of a man, with bands of love. And I was to them as they that take off the yoke of their jaws, and I laid meat unto them. He shall not return into the land of Egypt, but the Assyrian shall be his king, because they refuse to return. And the, and the sword shall abide on his cities, and shall consume his branches, and devour them because of their own counsels. And my people are bent to backsliding uh, from me. Though they are called them to the Most High, none at all would exalt him. How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make thee as Adma? How shall I set thee as Zeboim? Mine heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. I will not execute the fierceness of mine anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man, the Holy One in the midst of, of thee. And I will not enter in, into the city. They shall walk after the Lord. He shall roar like a lion. When he shall roar, then the children shall tremble from the west. They shall tremble as the bird out of Egypt, and as a dove out of the land of Assyria. And I will place them in their houses, saith the Lord. This evening, we are going to study about God's incomprehensible love. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the opportunity that we can once again study your word. And I ask, dear Father, that, that you would please help us. And help us, dear Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can understand your word. And the things that we will learn tonight, we'll, we will apply it in our lives. And I pray that you would continue to work in our, in our lives. And may you bless this uh, evening service that we have. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there was a little boy who had a new winter coat. He and his dad were walking in town up and down on the ice-covered streets. The boy did not have gloves, so he kept his hands deep in the pockets of his new coat. At the beginning, the father said, give me your hand. The boy refused. After a while, 
a while, the boy fell. The father said, Give me your hand. The boy said, No, daddy. I'll be all right. And after a while, the boy fell again and hurt his knee. The father said, Son, please give me your hand. This time, the boy was more than happy to take his father's hand. Now, this story pictures God's love for us. It's not detailed, but there's a glimpse there. And often we refuse God's help by not committing our day to Him in prayer, and so we fail. God reached out to us by reminding, by reminding us that we cannot go by the day without His help. But still, we refuse to ask His help. We failed that day again, and this time, not only we fell, but hurt ourselves also. And then, we gladly cried out to God for help. Funny as it seems, but that is the kind of life for some Christians today. We wait too long till we hurt ourselves, and then that's the time we call God's name. But you know what? No matter how many times we failed God in our lives, God's incomprehensible love will always be there. His love, His compassion are more powerful than our sins. And that is the idea that we were going to study tonight. In our passage that we have read, I don't have the time to explain all the backgrounds there, but basically Hosea, Hosea lived in the northern tribe of Israel, which he sometimes calls Ephraim or Jacob. About 200 years after they had broken off from the southern kingdom called Judah. Now you can see that story in in, in Kings. Hosea was called to speak on God's behalf during the reign of one of Israel's worst king, Jeroboam II. Now, have a side note there. Oftentimes, prophets in the Old Testament were unpopular. In the eyes of men, they were bad guys. In contrary, in God's eyes, they were there to speak before God because there was a covenant violation. And we see that oftentimes, over and over again, in the lives of the nation of Israel, that they violated God's command. They violated the covenant. The nation descended, descended into chaos. And in the year 722 BC, the Assyrians swooped in and decimated Israel. And Hosea saw all of the, these coming. So Hosea came and preached the northern 
to the northern tribe of Israel with warnings from God. Israel rebelled and violated the covenant, and because of that, God brought severe judgment on them. And even God did allow Israel to be conquered by Assyria and face the consequences. That is not his final action for them. God gives promise. And God gave them hope. Now in our passage that we have read, we can see four images, if you will, that we can see, that we can ponder upon in this, in this passage. And the first, we see the love of God for his people. And that is in verses 1 to 4, the love of God for his people. Now, chapter 11 speaks, uh, speaks to us in, in God's own words, expressing his, his love, which he had held of his people, Israel. And all this in chapter 11 are poems. Well, most of Hosea are written in poetry. And this chapter depicts God's, God as a loving father, and he showed his love in many ways. And you can see that in these four chapters. God brought them out of Egypt and as an out, with an outstretched arm and with a mighty act of judgment. Two of the most important being the Passover and the parting of the Red Sea. The nation of Israel saw God's deliverance. Not only that, in verse 3, God said, I taught Ephraim also to go. God taught them his words and commandments so that they can obey God wholly. And not only they saw God's deliverance, they saw God as their teacher. Still in verse 3, God said, said, taking them by their arms. God took them by their arms, and wh wherever they went, God was there. And so not only they saw God's deliverance, they saw God's, uh, God as their teacher, and also they saw that God supported them through until they came to the promised land. Continue in verse 4, God said, I drew them with cords of men, with bonds of, bands of love, and I was to them as they that take off of the yoke on their jaws, and I laid meat unto them. God's cords that were placed on Israel were designed to protect and preserve them. And also by taking the yoke and laid meat unto them, they saw God's protection and provision. And you see, God do, did every, everything that he can to, so that the Israelites, so that his people will recognize who God is. And also, not only that, they will feel the love of God in their lives. So the love of God was shown in Exodus from Egypt to the promised land. And even as they 
already in the land, God still loved them. God's great saving act for Israelites' people, God's deliverance of, of the people from the bondage into freedom, from the land of oppression into the land of, with flowing with milk and honey. And this is the great memory for his people. And Hosea makes it clear that it is the, mo- the utmost importance to remember the love which God has shown. God's love could not leave them where they were. And so God's love, and God's love cannot leave us where we are. It's a good picture there. Because of the love of God, God cannot, cannot leave Israel in, in, in bondage. And the same as what we are, God so loved us that he will not let us be on that bondage of sin. God's love calls us, calls us from lives of servitude to servitude to sin into lives of freedom. God calls us from the world around us to the world that God has created. But even amidst God's overflowing love for his people of Israel, we see the second point, the ungratefulness of the people of Israel. And we can see that in chapter 2 and 3, wherein even in the desert, on the way of the promised land, the people abandoned God who loved them for the golden calf. Can you imagine trying to thank the Lord or praise the Lord, but what they are actually you know, thanking is the golden calf. It's not the God that they are supposed to be served. It's not the God that... that uh, took them out of Egypt, took them out from the bondage. And the story of Israel in the promised land is one of continual rejection of God for the local gods and idols that are made of wood and gold. This leads God to say in sorrow, as they call them, so they went from them. They sacrificed unto Balaam and burnt incense to graven images. It appears the, the people reject God, God's call, even more fervently when they brought out of trouble. You see, the more God called them, the, the more God delivered them, the more God provided them, and the more God gave them safety on that land, the farther they went from him. But God's sorrows continues. He looks at the people, his chosen people, who do not even recognize what he has done for them. 
Now in verse 3, he says, I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms, but they knew not that I healed them. And for the part of God, that's very frustrating and that's very discouraging. God gave them everything, everything that they can have. But in contrary, this generation, this people, don't even thank the Lord. Their ungratefulness was seen in their actions. Probably God did something for them, but in return, they thanked their idols and not God himself, or they thought that it was their own doing. You know, the sin of self, sin of self, the sin that we tell ourselves that it is all done by us and for us. God becomes a mere shadow in this world. But as this passage from Hosea tells us, God's love comes to us through our sin. Despite our sin, lifting our burdens from us, feeding us in our souls, led by God in kindness and love, while we respond with rejection and apathy, even God, even we, we respond to God in, in an opposite way, but still God's, God's love and grace and compassion is always there. God in every way has shown himself to be a father. And we, in every way, we're rebellious children. There are some Christians that even thinking of what God has done in their lives, they can't even thank him. Oh, dear folks, we may never forget the love of God, the grace of God, his mercy, his faithfulness in our lives. And we may not be this same with the northern tribe of Israel that they knew not that it is the Lord who did it for them. So the people of Israel continued to rebel against God. Despite of his overflowing love to them, and that they refused to repent and return. Now we see the third point from this passage. Now the imminent defeat and the exile of Israel. Hosea tries to show God's anger by threatening a destruction of the land of Israel into the hands of their political alliance. And you can see that in the previous chapters, that instead of trusting God and trusting in his care, trusting in, in, his, in his salvation and deliverance and even protection, they have trusted these two nations, big nations, the Assyria of the, up in the north and Egypt in the south. They tried to, to make these two nations happy. 
by giving tributes and all. And so that they, they will not be uh, destroyed by this new, these nations. But, I, but in the contrary, God used even their political alliance to destroy them. God used Assyria and brought his judgment to his people. Look with me in verse 5 to 7. He shall not return into the land of Egypt, but the Assyrians shall be his king, because they refuse to return. And the sword shall abide on his cities, and shall consume his branches, and devour them because of their own counsels. And my people are bent to backsliding from me, though they called them to the Most High, none at all would exalt him. They have relied unto the temporal, temporal trust, temporal fortification. And God told them that even your alliance will not save you from your imminent destruction. And despite of Isaiah's threatened, ex threatened exile, Israel were determined. And this is really, like, as what I've, I'm reading this, it's like, this is too much. This is too much. And because of Israel, we're still determined to turn from God. To turn from all that God has done for them. And instead of trusting God, they trust human influence. They trust with their own strength. God's human agency had failed. But does that lead directly to God's abandonment for his people? That's a good question. If all the, if all the uh, ways that God will use so that your, your life will just return to the Lord, your, your service will just go back and even your love will turn to him god will use anything but you can see in this passage a passage god's human agency had failed but that but does that lead directly to god's abandonment for his people well, we can see the answer in the next verse. And this would be the, our last point. We can see the compassion of God for his people. God begins with a passionate outcry from his heart. The depths of his being where he proclaims his affection for his people. And God asks four rhetorical questions that reveal how hard it was for him to turn over to turn over to an enemy for punishment 
You know, when God pan uh, punished, punishes people, it's not something that God punished your sin and then He would sit back right there and ha, 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 ha. You get what you want. No. For God, it is too hard for Him. And that's why you can see His heart here. These are all strong emotions of God's incomprehensible love for His chosen people. Look with me in verse 8. How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make thee as Adma? How shall I set thee as Seboim? Mine heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. Now just to take a note there, Adma and Seboim were cities that God destroyed along with Sodom and Gomorrah. Now that's... You know, Sodom and Gomorrah, you, people know, know about it. But Adman Zeboam, few people knows about it. And so that's how, how it is, how, you know, how sinful the Israel, Israel was because God can really annihilate them and compare them to Adma and compared them to Zeboim, that even people will not remember them anymore. But of course, God said here, how can I, or how shall I give thee up? God had, God had a perfect reason to destroy them because of their sins. God had also a legitimate reason to end the covenant that he had with Israel because of their unfaithfulness. But he decided to pursue Israel and renew the covenant with them. You can read that in verse, in chapter 2, verse 19 to 20. But God continues here in verse 9 to 11. I will not execute the fierceness of mine anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not men the Holy One in the midst of thee, and I will not enter into the city. They shall walk after the Lord and shall roar like a lion. When he shall roar, then the children shall tremble from the west. They shall tremble as a, as a bird out of Egypt and as a dove out of the land of Assyria. I will place them in their houses. And that is the promised land, saith the Lord. Now these verses sounded, sound like God would not do anything because of his compassion. But we can see God did something. God did something. God did not leave, leave sin unpunished. Remember that he is just, but also he is the justifier. But he did not stop there. He promised hope. Now I like in Hosea chapter 4, at 14 verse 4, the word of God says, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. <clears throat> and so we saw the incomprehensible love of God for his people. 
This is the kind of love that God wants us to understand in our lives as Christians. It is the love that all prophets continued to proclaim, even God's people did not listen. And I believe this is also the driving force of many missionaries and preachers and pastors and church workers who constantly proclaim the love of God, even this world will not listen. And for us today, this is the kind of love that will motivate us to share the gospel to the lost. Now, my friend, tonight, if you're watching and you do not have a relationship in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can experience the relationship with God now if you repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ who died for your sins, buried and rose again the third day, and he is now alive and calling, knocking at your heart's door. All you have to do is to accept his free gift of salvation. My dear fellow Christians, always remember that God loves his people. God loves you. God loves me. And even you wonder from his perfect way and will, God still desires to save you from your predicaments, your struggles, and difficult situations. God wants to heal your backsliding. And he longs for your return. Now, a lot of Christians who went away from the Lord, they tried to go as far as they can. But let me tell you this, there's no place that you can go that God cannot reach you. And so why run? God is calling. God is calling to come back. God wants to heal your backsliding. And he longs for your return. Maybe you're listening tonight. And it seems that it's been a long time since you talked to God. Maybe you are in a backsliding state. Now remember, a backsliding person is not just someone who whom you cannot see or you cannot find in the church. Proverbs 14, 14 is very clear that it says that the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own way and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. We can be at the church, serve him, or even constantly hear the word of God, but our heart is far from him. My friend, we are still in that that place there or that situation there we are still in a state of backsliding and so our backsliding is never too large or never too far for God or never too large for God to handle none of us is too far from God to find none of us is too backslider for God to stop him from his love 
Mark Guy Pierce used to tell of the time he overheard one of his children admonishing the other. You must be good or father won't love you. Calling the boy to him, he said, son, that isn't, isn't really true. Yes, uh, uh, that, uh, son, that isn't really true. But you won't love us if we are bad, will you? The boy asked. Yes, I will love you whether you are good or bad, Pierce explained. But there will be a difference in my love. When you are good, I will love you with a love that makes me glad. And when you are not good, I will love you still with a love that hurts me. What an amazing to know. What an amazing to know that God will always love us because that's who he is. His love is not dependent upon what we did. That is the reason why I call it an incomprehensible love. Because for us, if people do something for us, do something against or bad to us, maybe we will not love them anymore. But God is not like that. And I think the key to understand this pa- these passage, uh, or th- this passage that we have read is in verse 9. For I am God and not man, the Holy One in the midst of thee. God is God, and we cannot compare him to anyone else. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we are reminded again of your love towards us. No matter how far we go or far from, from your ways and will, still you are waiting. You are calling us to return. And we thank you for your love to us. And Lord, I ask that you would help us grow in our relationship with you, that we will be able to love you more and more in each and every day till Jesus Christ will return. And we commit to you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Silver, for that message. And... uh, Man, the love of the Lord is something that we take for granted so much in life. And thank you so much, Pastor Silver. I'm so glad that we could still preach and we could still listen, even from the comfort of our home. And uh, as we right now transition into our offering time, I pray that you would consider how you can give, how you can uh, support the ministry and and just give unto the Lord. Of course, you know there's many ways to do it through texting and through the online or even just stopping by the church. But thank you so much for those of you that have been giving. And uh, let's, uh, as the music plays, let's give unto the Lord with a cheerful heart.